Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us, to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678-692-8870. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We look forward to hearing from you, and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear friends. I'm Pastor Visser. And today, I would like to take a look at the story of Susanna. Now, the story or the history of Susanna does not appear in the 66 books as we know them in the King James Version of the Bible. However, both the story of Susanna and the book of Bell and the Dragon were originally part of the book of Daniel. And they were ultimately chopped from Daniel and made into part of the Apocrypha and their own separate books. And it has been a desire of mine for quite some time to cover the story of Susanna because I feel that it deals with proverbial rape. And whether we are a female or a male, many of us can feel raped after we watch the television or even after the presidential candidates lie to us in order to get into office. And that's exactly why the story or the history of Susanna was axed from the original Bible. Again, in the 1611, well, the history of Susanna was there. In fact, it was part of the book of Daniel. Now it is considered apocryphal, and there's much to learn. So without further ado, we're going to take a look at this story, but we're going to look at it from two specific translations. The first, being the most literal, is the Ottenheimer translation. And the second, being the most easy to read, the Edgar J. Goodspeed translation. We'll begin with Goodspeed. And let's take a look at exactly what's being relayed here. We learn, beginning in verse 1 of the book of Susanna, There once lived in Babylon a man named Joachim. He married a wife named Susanna, the daughter of Hilkiah, a very beautiful and pious woman. Now, stopping right there, that aligns with the events of the book of Daniel, being that Daniel was written in Babylon, the original Babylon. And the story of Susanna begins by explaining there once was a man in Babylon, and his name was Joachim. And he married a wife, and her name was Susanna. And Susanna was very beautiful and also quite pious. Now, interesting of note is that this 
pretty much describes all Adamite women, ruddy and fair. But that's what Susanna was. Susanna was quite beautiful, very important in understanding the story of Susanna and the predicament that she finds herself within. And it is a predicament that oftentimes we find ourselves in as well. That choice to serve God or mammon, that choice to consent unto sin or to sin in the eyes of man, but knowing that Yahweh God will justify us. Thus is the story of Susanna, and Susanna was married to Joachim. Continuing on. Her parents also were upright people and instructed their daughter in the law of Moses. Joachim was very rich, and he had a fine garden adjoining his house. And the Judeans used to come and visit him because he was the most distinguished of them all. Now, the reason the story of Susanna focuses quite a bit on Joachim, her husband, is so you understand that he was a Judean. He was of the tribe of Judah. As Christ was considered to be a lion of the tribe of Judah. But Judah was most favored by Yahweh God. And what we're learning here is that many of the other Judeans and the general Israelites would come around to visit him because he was the most distinguished. Meaning that Joachim was not a fool. He was not a beggar and he was not a sinner per se. He was an upright man. And he had an upright, virtuous, pious woman. His wife's name was Susanna. And Susanna is the main character in this story. And we can learn so much from Susanna. In fact, let me interject here. The story of Susanna was once upon a time so well known that there are literally hundreds of paintings of Susanna and her predicament, within her predicament, by historical artists. In fact, Rembrandt is probably one of the best well-known. And I'm sure we'll put Rembrandt Susanna on the placard that accompanies this video in YouTube. But Joachim was very rich, and he had a fine garden. He had a nice home, and many of the other Judeans would come and visit him. Verse 5 in the book of Susanna that year, two of the elders of the people were appointed judges, men of the kind of whom Yahweh said, quote, lawlessness came forth from Babylon, and elders who were judges, who were supposed to guide the people, end quote. Where's that written? Well, it's obviously written in the book of Daniel, and it's so appropriate, because after all, the story of Daniel as a book is about a power struggle. A power struggle between a candidate or a king known as Nebuchadnezzar and an Israelite, a faithful Judean known as Daniel. Well, the story of Susanna and Bell and the Dragon tie perfectly into the book of Daniel and in my opinion should have never been chopped out of it. But what the story is relaying is that these two men, the elders of the people, they were appointed judges. And they were the kind of reprobates whom Yahweh God would say, lawlessness has come forth out of Babylon. Meaning, they were unjust judges. They were unjust rulers. And my friends, we live in a society where we find ourselves surrounded by many unjust rulers and many corrupted politicians and officials, quote-unquote authority figures. 
And that is exactly who these two elders of the people were. Now notice they were elders of the people. They were also Judean like Joachim. Meaning that even though they were of the Israelite stock, they were corrupted, just as Yahshua taught. And these two corrupt men want to bear false witness against Susanna. And that is why the story of Susanna is so very important. Number one, it proves there are virtuous women. And that is something that men oftentimes forget in this godless world. But Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31, most assuredly assures us that there are virtuous women. Their price is far above rubies, and they're just as rare, but they do exist. And Susanna was virtuous. And the story, or the history, that we're covering today explains why she was virtuous. And that is what we can learn from. What she withstood, and what she withstood were these two elders of the people. And oftentimes, it is Yahweh God that we need to worry about, not men, and not what men will say about us or bear false witness. What verse 5 in the story of Susanna is saying is that lawlessness truly did come forth from Babylon, ancient Babylon and rebuilt Babylon, and lawlessness comes forth in the form of corrupt what? Elders and or judges. These two elders were appointed judges, and they were corrupt. Continuing on, verse 6. These men came constantly to Joachim's house. And all who had cases to be decided came to them there. And it happened that when the people left at midday, Susanna would go into her husband's garden to walk about. Now stopping right there. The narrative itself already explained that because Joachim was distinguished because he was well off and because he was well favored of Yahweh God, he had a beautiful garden and Susanna would retreat to this garden. Every day, the text says, these men came constantly, the same corrupted elders, and also not only those men, but other Israelites that had cases to be decided, much after the manner of wise King Solomon, well, they would come to Joachim and Joachim would hear their pleas. And Joachim would be, if you will, a high judge, a Supreme Court judge, whereas these two elders were appointed judges, giving them authority over who? The Israelites. And both Joachim and his wife Susanna were of Judea. So, that needs to be established. It happened when all the people left at midday, meaning when they took their lunch and when they took their recess from judging these cases, Susanna, Joachim's wife, would go into her husband's garden to walk about. So, the two elders saw her every day as she went in and walked about. And they conceived a passion for her. So their thoughts were perverted, and they turned away their eyes so as not to look up to heaven or consider justice in giving judgment. Now, what's important about that is not necessarily the fact that they perverted themselves because they had passion for a married woman, but also that they were so corrupted, altogether corrupted, that they could not render righteous judgment. And that is the first point I want you to pay attention to in this judgment. Because the idea of an unjust judge rendering righteous judgment is unheard of, my friend. Christ taught this in his parables. A tree either brings forth righteous fruits or it brings forth corrupt fruit. 
but a corrupt tree cannot bring forth righteous fruit. Meaning that these two judges, because they were not in line with the law of God, were perverted and could not render righteous judgment. So I ask you, does this not fit the bill for about 95% of judges in America and Europe who do not esteem Yahweh's law as highly as they ought to? Indeed, it does. And my point is, is oftentimes men will judge you. Family members will judge you. The world will come in and they will judge you. But you need to worry about what Yahweh God thinks of you. You need to fear Yahweh God. And both Joachim and Susanna did. Continuing the narrative here in verse 10. They, who, the two elders, were both smitten with her, but they could not disclose their pain to each other. For they were ashamed to reveal their passion, for they desired to have relations with her. And they watched with jealousy every day for sight of her. And they said to one another, Let us go home, for it is dinner time. Now stopping right there. Notice they are casing the behaviors of Susanna. They are watching the virtuous behaviors of Susanna. Because after all, there is nothing wrong with a wife retreating into her husband's garden and not involving herself in his affairs. But at the same time, day after day, as these two corrupt officials would come to Joachim's house, well, they noticed Susanna would go around lunchtime every day into the garden of Joachim. And both of them lusted after her. Both of them desired and had passion for her. And because of this violation of God's law, well, they were worthless to Yahweh God. They were worthless to the Israelite people. But that did not disannul the fact that they were appointed in authority, right? Verse 5 in the book of Susanna says, That year, two of the elders of the people were appointed judges. Now, these are those same two judges, thoroughly corrupt with lust within their heart, not able to render righteous judgment, but still in power. So what happens? Well, they say, let us go home for it's dinner time. Verse 14. So they went out of the garden and parted from one another. Then they turned back and encountered one another. And when they had cross-questioned one another as to the explanation, they admitted their passion. Then they agreed together upon a time when they would be able to find her alone. Now notice, this is premeditated. Both of them admit, yeah, Susanna's a beautiful woman. And they want to act on the thought. That's the point you need to understand. Our thoughts lead us to our actions. Christ taught this. Out of the mouth proceeds within the heart. And men will usually act on their thoughts. What happens? Now it happened, as they were watching for an opportunity, that she went in one day as usual with no one but her two maids, and wished to bathe in the garden, as it was very hot. And there was no one there except the two elders who had hidden themselves and were watching her. And she said to her maids, Bring me the olive oil and soap, and close the doors of the garden so that I can bathe. Now, during the hot times, this is what Susanna would do. And there was nothing wrong with that, indeed, because this is technically, this terminology bathing means she is bathing and swimming. And all the more you can see the trait of the snake within the two elders, because the two elders hid themselves and they were watching her. Watching with lust and or passion, quote-unquote, within their heart. And conspiring together to what? 
Well, you're about to find out what, but they're going to bear false witness. And what happens when someone bears false witness against you? What happens even worse when someone comes in and says they will bear false witness if you do not do what they say you ought to? What do you do in a situation like that? Well, you have two options. One is you can fall, or the other is you can be like Susanna and put your whole trust within Yahweh God. So, Susanna is bathing during the hot of the day. And she says, go so that I can bathe. Verse 18. And they did as she told them and shut the doors of the garden and went out at the side doors to bring what they had been ordered to bring. And they did not see the elders for they were hidden. And when the maids went out, the two elders got up and ran to her and said, pay close attention to what they say. They say, here the doors of the garden are shut and no one can see us. And we are in love with you. So give your consent and lie with us. If you do not, we will testify against you that there was a young man with you. And that is why you dismissed your maid. Stopping right there. What they said is blackmail. But these are judges. These are people in position of authorities. The equivalent of a cop and or a judge. And what they say is we are in love with you. Why, number one, because the text says they were not in love. They had passion towards her. And passion, oftentimes, by wicked men, is disguised as love. Meaning, that oftentimes men will tell women they're in love with them to get them to do what they want. The second point is, they come in and they say, we will testify, we will blackmail, we will say that you had another man in here and you were committing adultery with him if you don't consent to our demands. Blackmail. Second point. This still goes on probably every day in every high school across America and has probably since the 40s. When a woman is virtuous, like Susanna is, usually the men will go right out, bear false witness against her, and say that she is the biggest whore. Now, this is important because this is the modus operandi of the snake. And I apologize if tonight's subject matter is a little bit too extreme. But, for what we're covering, I make no apologies. Because as I said, we can learn from Susanna and her virtue. What happens? Well, they say, if you do not give your consent and lie with us, meaning have sexual relations with us, We'll testify and bear false witness that there was a young man with you. And that's why you sent your maids out. Not for privacy, but for evil reasons. Verse 22. And Susanna groaned and said, I am in a tight place. For if I do this, it means my death. But if I refuse, I cannot escape your hands. I had rather not do it and fall into your hands than commit sin in Yahweh's sight. Notice what Susanna says. She admits she's in quite a predicament between a rock and a hard place. But she says she would rather please Yahweh God than men. I had rather not do it and fall into your hands. Meaning I would rather be put to death than be put to death by God for committing a sin unto death by lying with you two men. Because it would have been adultery, my friend. Because Susanna was Joachim's wife. So notice, she says, I can't escape your hands. 
she acknowledged them as the authority, but also said she would rather err in the sight of Yahweh than commit a sin in Yahweh's sight. Verse 24. Then Susanna gave a loud scream, and the two elders shouted against her. And one of them ran and opened the garden doors. And when the people in the house heard the shouting in the garden, they rushed through the side doors to see what happened to her. And when the elders told their story, her slaves were deeply humiliated, for such a thing had never been said about Susanna. Meaning, Susanna was virtuous. She was pious. That's what the text says. And the thought of her committing a whoredom or committing this adulteration under Joachim's roof and his garden was so far-fetched that they were deeply humiliated. Meaning, for going out. Meaning, they desired to stay there with Susanna so that these two corrupt elders who still are in positions of authority who followed through on their promise of bearing false witness by saying Susanna had a young man with them, should have been watched very closely. But, unbeknownst to both the maids and Susanna, they were lying in wait for Susanna. Verse 28. The next day, when the people came together to her husband, Joachim, the two elders came full of their wicked design to put Susanna to death. And they said before the people, Send for Susanna, the daughter of Helkiah, Joachim's wife. And they did so, stopping right there. So now this is the trial of Susanna. You know the narrative, and Goodspeed's translation makes it very easy to understand. The two elders come, they're judges, beneath Joachim, but judges nonetheless, placing them higher than Susanna in a court of law. They tell Susanna that if she doesn't whore herself out to them, they'll accuse her of being a whore. And Susanna errs on the side of integrity. She says, not so. I will not do it. I would rather be put to death by your hands than to be committed of a sin by lying with you two men in the eyes of Yahweh God, to paraphrase. So the two elders come. And notice the text says here in the book of Susanna, and the Apocrypha, they came with their wicked design. Meaning, they came all along with a wicked design to cause mischief. They came to corrupt. And when they did not get their way, and were faced with true virtuousness in the face of Susanna, well, they go out and they accuse her of being altogether as filthy as they are. What can we learn? Well, the enemy still does that today. So, They call for Susanna. Verse 30 in the Apocrypha story of Susanna. And she came with her parents and her children and all her relatives. Now Susanna was accustomed to luxury and was very beautiful. And the lawbreakers ordered her to be unveiled. For she was wearing a veil so that they might have their fill of her beauty. And the people with her and all who saw her wept. And the two elders stood up in the midst of the people and laid their hands upon her head. And she wept and looked up to heaven, for her heart trusted in Yahweh. Now, stopping right there. They're technically about to put her to death. They're bearing false witness against her. And Yahweh's law says that every matter must be established at two witnesses. So Susanna's in quite a predicament, is she not? I apologize for the coyotes if you can hear those coming through in the recording. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. 
If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, so we hope that you will allow him to lead your life. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. So Susanna's in quite a predicament, is she not? I apologize for the coyotes if you can hear those coming through in the recording. But she finds herself in quite a predicament. Two judges, nonetheless, bearing false witness. But the text says her heart trusted in the Lord. A polite way of saying her mind was fixed on Yahweh. She cared more about fulfilling Yahweh's law than man's law. And when these two corrupt judges came in and said, Well, if you lie with us, all will be well. They were likely lying, but could have likely pardoned her had she played the harlot. She chose, rather, the rougher path. And this is what you're seeing. The trial of Susanna, the sham bogus counterfeit trial, and they're trying to put an innocent woman to death much after the same manner that they did Yahshua. And so, they want to take her veil off so the elders can add even more insult to injury by looking at her beauty because she was an Israelite woman, fair and of a fine countenance. And what happens? Well, the elders said, continuing on in verse 36, As we were walking by ourselves in the garden, this woman came in with two maids and shut the doors of the garden and dismissed her maids. And a young man who had been hidden came to her and lied down with her. And we were in the corner of the garden. And when we saw this wicked action, we ran up to them. And though we saw them together, we could not hold them because he was stronger than we. And he opened the doors and he rushed out. But we laid hold of this woman and asked her who the young man was, and she would not tell us. This is our testimony, meaning they bore false witness in one accord. And as per the Mosaic law, well, this would appear to be a death sentence for Susanna. Thus, the veil was lifted, and she was shamed before all the people. And even though the people wept, and most likely half were divided and the other half were hearing what they wanted to hear at the hands of these corrupt officials, they come in and they're not above bearing false witness, being total hypocrites, if you will, and saying, well, we were in the right. We just happened to be sitting in the garden having lunch. And we watched her have intercourse with this young man, and because he was much younger than us, well, he got away. And we apprehended the weaker vessel, Susanna. But the original narrative is, they rushed up to Susanna while she was bathing and said, if you do not lie with us, well, we're going to bear false witness. Now, probably, being a man, I would estimate 
85, 90% of the world's women would have consented to these two judges in this particular situation. I could be wrong in that, but I know there are virtuous women, and that is the story of Susanna and her history. Susanna is known, and every painting testifies, of a ruddy, beautiful, blonde-haired woman who was able to withstand two corrupt officials. And because she put her faith, as the text says, her heart trusted in Yahweh God, she was able to overcome. Even when they came together in one consent and bald-faced lied, saying, this is our testimony. Verse 41. Then the assembly believed them as they were elders of the people and judges. Stopping right there. The assembly, even the Israelites turned against Susanna. And said, well, they're judges. They they can't lie, right? You've known people like that. They have their opinion settled for them by the television. And at the end of the day, they really believe oftentimes people in authority can do no evil. They really believe that once in a while a cop is corrupted. Once in a while a judge will bear false witness. But what do we learn from the Bible? Perhaps that's a study for another day. But a majority of those who rule opposite of Yahweh God and rule for men are just like these two elders. They're elected. They're trusted by the people, but they lie. And they lied on Susanna, and they likely lied to get an office because the text and the story of Susanna, as it is found in the Apocrypha, confirms Yahweh God could not use them because they could not render righteous judgment because their heart was filled with passion and lust. Because their heart or their mind was filled with that passion, here they are acting on that passion. They say, this is their testimony. And the assembly believed them. They say, well, they're judges after all. Continuing on, what happens? They condemned her to death. So here it is. The death sentence pronounced under the Mosaic law, not man's law. Remember, the Mosaic law says, if two witnesses come in and say something is so, at the hand... It is to be put to death. And technically, if Susanna had committed adultery with a young man, it would have been adultery, punishable by death. But we know she did not. And we also know that she withstood them because the penalty under the Mosaic Law would have been double for Susanna. So it's looking bleak, is it not? The narrative, it does not look good for Susanna because all the Israelites believed them. What happens? Verse 42. But Susanna uttered a loud cry and said, Eternal God, you know what is hidden, who know all things before they happen. You know that what they have testified against me is false. Then here I am to die when I have done none of the things they have so wickedly charged me with. Several points to know about Susanna's prayer. Number one, it is a prayer of a virtuous woman. No denying that. She has faith in the eternal God. And she withstood a very easy compromise and something that probably many women would fall at. She also knows that Yahweh God knows what is hidden. Something that oftentimes we forget and the Judeo-Christians overlook. That which is hidden will be made manifest. There is nothing hidden with Yahweh God. He knows all things. And not only does he know all things before they happen, as Susanna says it, she says, you know what they testified against me is false. 
She was more concerned about being guilty in the eyes of Yahweh than guilty in the eyes of these two false snakes that came in and charged her wickedly, as the text says. Continuing on in verse 44. And Yahweh heard her cry. And as she was being led away to be put to death, God stirred up the Holy Spirit of a young man named Daniel. And he loudly shouted, I am clear of the blood of this woman. And all the people turned to him and said. Now that is most likely why they chopped this out of the book of Daniel. Even though it references Daniel as does the book of Bel and the dragon. Because the similarities to Pilate. He says, I am clear of the blood of this woman. Pilate said of Yahshua, I am clear of the blood of this innocent man. And at the end of the day. That statement doesn't necessarily make it so. Our actions do. Pilate washing his hands absolved him in his own psyche, but not in the eyes of Yahweh God. He was not truly innocent. But what is the difference? Well, here in the story of Susanna, a young man named Daniel loudly shouted, I am clear of the blood of this woman and all the people. All the Israelites and all the Judeans who believed the report of the elders, right? Verse 41, the assembly, they turn to Daniel and what do they say? What does this mean? That what you have said. And he took a stand in the midst of them and said, Are you such fools, you Israelites, that you have condemned a daughter of Israel without any examination or ascertaining of the truth? Stopping there. Question. Daniel is asking that of the Israelites, meaning that oftentimes the Israelites are looking for a scapegoat just after they did with Yahshua. He did not have a fair trial. It was a kangaroo court. Neither did Susanna have a fair trial, meaning all it took were the two lying false elders to come in and say Susanna was with another man. And they rushed to put her to death immediately. And it took Daniel to come in and confirm, A, they are Israelites, and B, they condemned the daughter of Israel without any examination or assertion of the truth. This still happens today, my friend. There are many innocent people in jail who could not afford a fair trial. So don't lose sight of that. Daniel also continues, go back to the place of the trial, meaning they were dragging her out to kill her. For these men have borne false witness against her. And it should have been obvious based on her reputation, right? This was so out of the blue, but that does not stop an innocent woman from being put to death. So what we see in Susanna is a precursor of Yahshua's passion. That is why, most likely, Edgar Goodspeed used the terminology passion as opposed to lust in the narrative. So they go back. Verse 50 confirms, so all the Israelites hurried back and the elders said to him, come, sit among us and inform us. God has given you the right to do so. And truly, Daniel had earned that right. He was higher than Joachim and he was higher than these two corrupt elders. God gave him the right and because he earned that right within the flesh. Verse 51, and Daniel said to them, separate them widely from one another. First key, Daniel smart enough to say, take the two elders and put them in separate rooms. Separate them from each other because he was able to recognize they were in one consent lying, saying this is our testimony. But how about a cross-examination of both witnesses? My friend, police still do this today. They separate out everybody involved and they will interrogate each individual. Daniel says do that. 
separate them widely from one another, and I will examine them. Verse 52. And when they were separated from each other, he called one of them and said to him, You ancient of wicked days. Stopping right there. Daniel identifies them as a serpent. You ancient of wicked days. Meaning, their wickedness is ancient evil. These are traits of the snake. To bear false witness. To lie in wait within a garden. To attempt forcible rape on an Israelite woman. This still goes on, my friend. This still goes on. And Daniel says, You ancient of wicked days, how your sins have overtaken you that you committed before, making unjust decisions, condemning the innocent and acquitting the guilty. Although Yahweh said, You shall not put an innocent and an upright man to death. And indeed, that is written in the Mosaic Law. Daniel is reminding them, once again, like the book of Susanna does, they were corrupted. Daniel continues in verse 54. So now, if you saw this woman, tell us, under what tree did you see them meet? Simple question. If you saw this woman committing adultery with another young man, other than Joachim, what tree did you see them under? Well, he answered, under a mastic tree. And Daniel said, You have told a fine lie against your own life, for already the angel of God has received the sentence from God. And he will cut you in two. Now, it doesn't end there. But the judgment is pronounced before he even gets to the second witness. Meaning, Daniel in this form is a righteous judge. And he is judging righteously for Yahweh God. Speaking for Yahweh God. And he says, well, an angel of Yahweh has received the sentence. And he's going to carry it out against you. But not before we cross-examine that other bastard. Verse 56. And he had them removed and ordered them to bring in the other. And he said to him, You descendant of Canaan and not of Judah. Stopping right there. Daniel calls him a Canaanite, not a Judean. Meaning he is a tear sown in amongst the wheat. He is an imposter. And he flocked to a position of what? Being an elder in the church and ultimately a judge amongst the Israelites. And he was able to bear false witness against not only Susanna, but also many other innocent people. Daniel confirms that against the first one. He says, you made unjust decisions and condemned the innocent and acquitted the guilty. But to the second one, he says, quote, you descendant of Canaan and not of Judah. Beauty has beguiled you and desire corrupted your heart. This is how you have been treating the daughters of Israel. And they yielded to you through fear. But a daughter of Judah would not endure your wickedness. So tell me, under what tree did you catch them embracing each other? And he said, under a live oak tree. Stopping right there. Notice Daniel confirms that many other Israelite women fell by this ploy. Of the two Canaanite, tares, serpentiled, wicked of ancient days... But in short, bastards coming in, being judges, ruling against them, and bearing false witness when they would not have sexual relations with them. He confirms that in the text. He says, so this is how you've been treating the daughters of Israel. And they yielded to you through fear. But Susanna did not fear man, my friend. Susanna did not fear either of these elders. She feared only Yahweh God. And to her, it was righteousness. And notice, a deliverer was sent. And there was probably no greater a deliverer than Dan E.L. Daniel, the prophet. He who would receive divine revelation from Yahweh God concerning Babylon of old and rebuilt Babylon. 
And this was Babylon of old, my friend, when Daniel walked. So what we can learn is under today's rebuilt Babylon, they still do this. And likely many women fall. So what does he say? The first one lies and says a mastic tree. The second one lies and says under a live oak tree. Daniel's got him here. He knows they're bearing false witness because they both testified against each other. And there's a big difference between those trees. But the point is, is they were not in cahoots. And a simple cross-examination of the witnesses would have prevented this, my friend. Two of them coming in and a woman who was virtuous in the end, almost being put to death. Verse 59 continues. And Daniel said to him, You have also told a fine lie against your own life, for the angel of God is waiting with his sword to saw you in two, to destroy you both. And the whole company uttered a great shout and blessed God who saves those who hope in him. Because Susanna had faith in Yahweh God, the Israelites were able to see divine intervention. And Yahweh God did intervene by sending Daniel. And Daniel renders righteous judgment. He technically renders the judgment, the false judgment, that the two elders were going to put on Susanna on their own head. And Daniel said, you've told a fine lie against your own life. It's not Daniel saying you're to be put to death. It's the Mosaic law that they were attempting to put Susanna to death under that also says those that bear false witness are to be put to death as well. Therefore, Daniel says you've told a lie against your own life. For the angel of God is waiting with his sword to saw you in two and to destroy you both. Verse 60. And the whole company uttered a great shout and blessed God who saves those who hope in him. And they threw themselves upon the two elders. For Daniel had convicted them out of their own mouths of having borne false witness and treated them as they had wickedly planned to treat their neighbor and obeyed the law of Moses and he killed them. And innocent blood was saved that day. Innocent blood, but unrighteous blood was spilled. The Mosaic law was observed because Susanna obeyed the Mosaic law and feared Yahweh God. So do you see how God's law works perfectly, whereas man's law works under corruption? And Daniel confirms that under Babylonian rule, under their elders, whether you're in the church or whether you're in a court of men. Many of the daughters of Israel yield through fear. They are blackmailed. They have no other options. And they fear man more than Yahweh God. But because Susanna feared Yahweh, well, Yahweh God turned it all around, right? They were going to kill Susanna. In the end, they too were put to death. And this is why verse 60 says, The whole company uttered a great shout and blessed God. And they obeyed the law of Moses and killed him. And innocent blood was saved that day, not counting the two elders. Verse 63. And Helkiah and his wife, so Susanna's dad and Susanna's mother, praised God for their daughter Susanna. And so did Joachim, her husband, and all her relatives, because she had done nothing immodest. And from that day onward, Daniel had a great reputation in the eyes of the people. From that day onward, because he intervened on behalf of Susanna. Now, do you understand why I brought you this study? 
The story or the history of Susanna is so important because whether we're proverbially or physically being threatened with rape, whether we're being blackmailed, and when we're being exiled and our own people or our own families turn against us, we must always remember that Yahweh God is there. Yahweh God gives, Yahweh God takes away. And in the end, Yahweh God will justify, even if we find ourselves in positions where we should not be. It was the will of God, obviously, so this narrative would be here for the two men to lie in wait, just as it was the will of God for Susanna to protest them and resist them. But in the end, the glory of God was made manifest through what? Obedience. Obedience on the part of Daniel to the Mosaic Law. Obedience on the part of Susanna to her marriage vows and the law by extension through her husband Joachim and obedience of the Israelite men, women, and children when they finally put to death the children of Belial, those that would bear false witness against a daughter of Israel. And so with that, my friends, I believe we will forego studying the Ottenheimer translation because it's much more literal But I will do a quick side-by-side comparison because it will show you the difference between the two texts. For example, Goodspeed says, beginning in the story of Susanna, there once lived in Babylon a man named Joachim. He married a wife named Susanna, the daughter of Hilkiah, a very beautiful and pious woman. Her parents also were upright people and instructed their daughter in the law of Moses. Now, the Ottenheimer translation says, There dwelt a man in Babylon named Joachim, and he took a wife whose name was Susanna, the daughter of Chelseus, a very fair woman, and one that feared Yahweh. Her parents also were righteous and taught their daughter according to the law of Moses. And so in short, the Ottenheimer publication is much more literal And I may bring another study on Susanna in the future. In fact, they are actually considered separate books, although it is from the same text. One in the good speed that we covered today is the story of Susanna. Whereas in the Ottenheimer, it is the history of Susanna. But either way, it means the same thing. And it is the story we need to pay attention to. Susanna was virtuous. There are virtuous women. Susanna was faithful. There are faithful men and women of Yahweh God. And because Susanna cast all her cares and fear on Yahweh God, she was delivered in the end. Yahweh God kept His promise as He does through His Word. And so it will be for each and every one of us. Do not be surprised when those that we appoint over us become thoroughly corrupted by the power we give them and bestow upon them. And we find ourselves in situations as Susanna did. And so, until next time, when we likely do a look into the book of Bell and the Dragon, which is also in addition to the book of Daniel, and is found in the King James Apocrypha, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Church, reminding you that your support is greatly needed and appreciated. Until next time, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry.
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies, or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, or reach us by telephone at 678-692-8870. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours, forever and ever. Amen.